0: Welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm coming to you right now from a hotel room in Sacramento, California. California International Marathon is here. I can't wait. I got a bunch of live shows coming up today and tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to put out this episode with my good friend, Mike Co, otherwise known as Kafuzi, and Peter Bromka that we did over on Relay last month talking about just how to run the California International Marathon. We actually spent almost 90 minutes talking about this topic, and it was good grief. It was just so much fun. I hope you enjoy If you haven't subscribed to Relay yet, you really should. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Relay. There's also a link in the show notes. We're doing so much good stuff over there. We got our monthly book club. That's actually going to be on Monday. We have... Lindsay Hine Kara Goucher and Carolyn Sue doing um, Running with the Buffaloes which is one of the best running books of all time actually uh, Kara's husband Adam Goucher will be on the uh will be on the show that day as well because he is featured prominently in that book. So that's a, a live broadcast that people can interact with the group. And we also put it out uh, in video and audio form. We also have Coach's Corner with Stephanie Flippin and I. We got Writer's Block with Peter, Brom- Peter, Bromka- Peter Bromka and Zoe Rome. We got a bunch of stuff over on Relay. And it's $9 a month for the best running content that you can get. And if you're not happy with it, you can just unsubscribe. It totally works. So I just, I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm just so proud of the work that we're doing over there. And this is a snippet of that. So let's get into it with me, Peter Bromka and Mike Co. Hey, everybody. Welcome back or the first time to Relay. I'm glad you're here. We are here today, a three person. We got a panel of people talking about the California International Marathon CIM 2020 two really excited we got peter bromka and mike co Kafuzi here i never know where to throw kafuzzi in the beginning the middle of the end um <laughs> it's got to be there somewhere but either way all three of us all members of relay excited to talk about the california international marathon which will be happening as it always does the first weekend or first sunday i should say in december let's just let's before we get into it peter when was your first cim
1: my first cim was 2016 and um, I kind of got to walk, uh, work my way into it because I got injured uh, leading into it. So I decided to run it pacing a friend, which is kind of a nice way to see a course. It's like, you know, not just cheering, but also not just going full in, out into the hills, which we'll talk about. So, uh, highly recommended to, you know, cover the course before you expect to get your absolute most out of it. Um, but so I did it 16, 17, 18, 19. And then obviously there was no 20. And then I just watched from afar last Not with that here.
0: attitude, there isn't. <laughs> yeah,
1: come on. <laughs> um, oh, man. I think people actually thought there might be. There was a chance. There was a time. Yeah.
0: There, 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 some hopeful optimism.
1: Those people were gluttons for punishment. Like they were just like, you know, I'm going to do the whole build up and then. Nothing's going to change throughout the world. And then the race get called. And you're like, oh, brutal.
0: Right. Because that was the time where we had okay, well, going off course. One minute in. But we yeah. had like some elite marathons were happening. Marathons yeah, for yeah. elites. The yeah. NFL season was happening. So it was like, is this going to happen? It might. I can't yeah. like not train if it is going to happen. Already paid it was possible
1: to do races. I actually boat, I wrote Ben Rosario a DM. And I was like, hey, if there's any chance you want to let me into this marathon project you're hosting and he was like you're a really nice guy like we will be
0: <laughs> will you be coming as a media member <laughs> yeah um
1: this is called a bubble and you are outside the bubble um no so we <laughs> i'm excited to get back to cim because i was it had become like a tradition and so it it really feels like a nice type of a nice thing to do to wrap up the year um and yeah when we started talking about that it was coming up and that we're all gonna be there. And how many different people start, actually, I think I have a, a friend who texts me like about the same time every year, which is a few weeks ago. Uh, he coaches athletes and he's like hey any recommendations for CIM and I'm like I think you texted me this the same month like last year you know because his athletes are saying hey any recommendations for CIM so that I thought it'd be fun to jump on here and geek out.
0: So instead of Uh, responding to his text you're like I'm gonna do a podcast episode. Yeah I'm gonna
1: do a full (laughs) breakdown and then we can just record it and we can send it out next year Um, and also the idea that like People are worried about these things, but, you know, there's so many different details. I call it like the nerdiest marathon in the country because, you know, why else go to Folsom in December than to just like burn down the course and just like shoot for a PR. So like relative to a lot of other races in the country, I think of it as like people who are really dialed and uh, like heard the whispers about what it can be. So it's a lot go. of fun to geek out about.
0: And how about you, Mike? When was your first CIM?
2: My first was my only, and that was oh. last year's So um, for 2021. But I'll be going back this year, and I'm really excited about it.
0: You, you, got, you got a string of marathons. You just came back from New York.
2: Yeah, I, I did. Um, so it's been uh, kind of like best fall marathon season ever. So this will be my like third marathon in like eight weeks. So um, my body is starting to feel it. <laughs> Let me tell you. Ah.
0: I love that. We got to turn that into a movie. We got like like a, like a, like a, a you know, all the ultra runners, they have all of their like there's like ultra runner movies galore, right? People going mm. to races. You, you you get that going. You do yeah, some probably I, have some video content you could put together. Yeah, I ha- I have some clips.
2: But um <laughs> like it's amazing though like when Chicago and in New York like I'm meeting people from all over and they're like, "Oh yeah, I've also got 3 marathons in 8 weeks." So oh. it's like, you know, like it's not oh. like uh, that apparently not that big a deal. I thought it was kind of, but no, no, it's not. Lots of people are doing it.
0: So instead of it like being like, all oh, right, like an un- like un- an unbelievable quest, you need to have like a completely different title, the Brotherhood of the Traveling Track Pants, or something. Yeah, I guess.
2: I mean, it's just weird. Like I'm seeing like the same handful of people like everywhere I go, and um, <laughs> it's just it's awesome, you know, actually to to have like kind of friends at all races like this. Yeah. Um, but like you know, I feel like uh i'm tapping in to like like peter was saying it's like a a, you know kind of like a runner's nerd thing like i'm i've like i'm tapped in to like the mega nerd kind of like sub corner Mm -hmm. of like the distance running community i mean and we're distance runners right so like we're all weird and then there's like the extra weird corner that i'm like just like you know getting a sense of right now as i'm hitting this third marathon
0: that's awesome. That's funny. That's exciting. All right, so let's talk about. We're going to do a step by step here. We're going to start with traveling into the race. Obviously, this is kind of like for people who are not just like living in the Sacramento area. <laughs> this sure. is their this is their local race, and you know, maybe it's no different than them just scheduling their weekend long run. Um, I live in Rhode Island, so also I do part of Mike uh, heading to C I M, um, and I've been there several times now. Has always been in a media capacity mainly Mm. and then also running so for me i need to be there um by thursday night so that anything that i do on friday in case i'm late coming from the airplane or kind of like held up i always travel on thursday do live shows at the expo on friday and then at live shows at the expo on saturday so for me it's always a fly on thursday move and then basically take an uber from the airport down into um which is about 20 minutes or so north of sacramento down into the city and then depending if i run the race oh see when i ran the race last year i basically took like a 10 p.m flight out i took a red eye out which was um not what i wanted to do less than ideal um oh. it was, a great, it was n- nothing like morning a, a horrible marathon in a uh, in a terminal all by yourself for eight hours um no. <laughs> wondering where you can find a place to plug in your stuff um but then like like this year i'm not running so i'll just be like as people are running I would be flying, which is what I did in 2018, I think. Um, So for me, it's really like a a three or four day trip, depending on if I'm running with more of like getting there early for the media stuff, as opposed to kind of marathon prep. How about you, Mike? Um,
2: Yeah, I'm not local either. So I'm in Chicago area. Uh, But last year and this year I'll be coming from Austin because the same week of CIM is also the running event, which is like a big kind of like industry convention for running brands. Um, Talk about so something for
0: running nerds piling on I, what people Peter was saying earlier. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So like, I'll get to see kind of like, I mean, it's really for people that are like buyers at like Fleet Feet and like independent running stores. Um, so it's really geared towards that. But I go as like media which is always weird when I say that because I'm just a dude that makes YouTube videos. But I'll be going um, from Austin, like, spending as hopefully not too much time on my feet, but a lot of time on my feet. I've okay. been um, flying from Austin into Sacramento and kind of doing the same thing. Last year, I flew out Sunday, like, right after the race, and that was not great. I don't recommend it. So I still i am I'm finishing up my travel arrangements. I'll probably do that today once we get off the phone here. But <laughs> That makes two of us. Um, yeah, but, like, I'm thinking... Um, I do have some friends in the area, so I might kind of try to see them for dinner or something like that the night of the race and then leave Monday.
0: Yeah. And Peter, you live closer than we do, so how do you plan it out?
1: Yeah, we like to call it a business trip. Um, <laughs> it's like we fly on Saturday, we fly out Sunday, and just like only there. So it's actually, sadly, it cuts a little bit against, Mike, with everything you're talking about. Um, I know people coming from in from all over the country and there's a lot of like, Hey, can't wait to see you at CIM. And at the same time, I know I'm lying a little bit cause I'm like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go through all this th- the steps we're about to talk about, about how to maximize the weekend, but really not maximize, you know, running around, you know, seeing people. Um, so yeah, there's a five o'clock flight on Southwest back to Portland that we typically, uh, jump on. I always think of it as like, no matter how well the race has gone, I'm typically sitting on that plane with uh, having had a, a beer, a burger and a milkshake. And I'm just like, oh, I, why do I do this to my having run a marathon? <laughs> I'm like, you know, you're like you think all marathon build, you think, oh, when this is over, I'm just going to like be indulgent for a while, really like go off the rails. And then I do all three simultaneously and I'm just like. I, I need to take better care of myself. So anyways, um, it's a very efficient trip. And uh, it's part of the reason I love it. Um, and it's part of the reason why, like, when people, you know, sort of ask me with wonder, like, where might you go to run your best race? I'm like, well, there's one clear answer. And then there's a bunch of other answers that, you know, if you want to run a bunch of different marathons around the country that could have good weather or could have a good course uh or could have good pace packs then you're welcome to try there but i know one place that almost always has it and that's cal international
0: well let's talk about like we're gonna kind, of, kind of move to uh first half of number three then because you talked about kind of flying in the night before obviously with mike and i getting there kind of well in advance of the race it definitely takes the pressure off of like into the expo and getting your mm-hmm. stuff like we we basically can just kind of like go whenever we want and like it's not going to be that big of a deal obviously for you someone who's flying in the day of maybe not even leaving say if you don't even leave like first thing in the morning um where, what's it like for you in terms of making sure that you're getting your, your your bib and all of that and um getting that out of the way before kind of like settling down or getting food just how do you orientate that day before, especially including the travel part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I try to build in now we're getting into the weeds, which is wonderful. Um, there's a tradition, my teammates and I typically will like rent an Airbnb and, um, sit around and watch some college football, like conference w- weekend. And I turned to my friend's wife a couple of years ago and I was like, it's so crazy that we're just going to sit here and watch a football game for longer than the entire duration of tomorrow's race. like it's Speak just... for
0: yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you always catch me <laughs> out.
1: Um, well, You're done yeah, by maybe...
0: halftime. I'm going into the second game. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: why we respect your running, Matt. Um, <laughs> this is a time on is... feet contest, right? Yeah. No? No. Um, I'm also a big... I like to prioritize the lunch... Uh, the day before in terms of nutrition. So just to geek out even further, I'm a big like find a bakery and lunch the day before is the last meal that I try to eat to um, like almost discomfort, like really finish my food Um, because I'm aware that after that, both I might anything I eat after lunch is going to be more cutting close to digestion. And also that I will start to get nervous and it, like, it's just harder to eat enough, like eat in the right way I've found. Um, so if I eat a big lunch, there used to be a bakery right by the expo and I couldn't find it in 2019. So we went to a different bakery, but like there's a couple of different bakeries, sandwich shops uh, nearby the expo that you can walk or drive short to. And I we prioritize like immediately get the bib, immediately get a big lunch. Um, maybe so we have a weird tradition of going to blue um to phil's coffee which is like not always i'm like a little nervous because i'm like is this a late coffee am i gonna is it gonna keep me up but like a bunch of us used to live in the bay area and are such fans of phil's coffee that we'll go there um and get a coffee and then yeah try to prioritize kicking the feet up even though there's like friends you know all like all these different people are within a quarter mile of you or you know nearby like you could go see all sorts of people but it's just like um i have had the i've had the experience of going to the elite technical meeting which uh, i'll just say is one of the more awkward rooms you can find <laughs> yourself in in like in the world <laughs> um it it's like you can cut the awkward tension with a knife um interestingly i've also had the pleasure of going to the boston marathon technical meeting with the pros and that one's actually better like a bunch of amateur runners who have all been invited to maybe their first technical meeting in sacramento is just like it it's like i don't even know what to describe it's like the nerdiest meeting you've ever been to and there's really not a lot to talk about and so every like the lack of content is makes it even worse
0: Wow! Well, the the theme of this is the the nerdiness of the yeah. Of it's, the just, it's just brutal, and um, everyone's just
1: going like, "We want to get get our feet up," and so like that's the goal is really like prioritize getting it all done, right. all the things that's done, and getting your feet up, and then relaxing.
0: Gotcha, right? So don't don't walk if you can stand. Don't stand if you can sit. Don't sit if you can lie down. Kind of feel.
1: How did you make use of the day, Mike, last year?
2: Um. I really thought that getting through the expo was super fast. And so, like, I thought I'd have to get there really early. I was expecting, like, a crush of people. But, like, there was people. But I was uh, amazed at how efficient it all was. And then the expo itself isn't too big. And so, like, it was really easy to get through um, pretty quickly. Last year, I was on a panel with Matt. And so, I spent, you know, uh, an hour for that. And then I watched like uh, Tim Tollefson was speaking for a little bit. So I watched him for a little bit. So like I enjoyed some of the other kind of like things to enjoy about the expo. Mm -hmm. um, But I could sit down while doing all those things. So that was nice. And then like the expo part itself um, was really quick and efficient. So it was like, you know, very much suited for, you know, runners who came to race. Because then it's like you could spend as little time
1: in there as you wanted and it was really they have such, like the booths there i mean it's like most running expos but they're again so nerdy i actually found myself i went and i bought a few ponchos at one of the booths because and i knew it wasn't going to rain the next day but i was like where else do i if you said like go out and buy a a lightweight poncho you might need to wear before a race around portland i, I don't not sure where i would even go like for a throwaway poncho. But I'm like, no, they're right here. Like, perfect. Um, so I, I ended up picking up a couple of those oddball things that runners really appreciate, but I would have no idea. Maybe, a, you know, Amazon, you could buy a pack of 10. But I'm like, no, I want one poncho for in the spring race if it's like pouring. Um, so there was a have couple things like you used
0: these that. ponchos?
1: Uh, not yet,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I usually do the same thing whenever I see
2: like the really cheap throwaway gloves that are like a dollar or two dollars a pair, because I'm like I'll buy one and I'll stick them in my like side pocket or whatever. And if it's cold that morning, I'll look around to see if anyone kind of needs one because I'm like you know whatever it's a dollar. And if not, I end up like maybe I'll just bring it home because then it's another thing where it's like just leave it in your car or whatever. It's nice to kind of have around. So I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, a lot of of oddball things that you (laughs) was. You, you, know, you're like, oh, I don't, I wouldn't mind grab, picking up that. Uh oh, I can't hear you, Matt. We lost
0: my, we lost Matt.
1: Oh, we lost the audio.
0: There it is. See, this is what happens? Oh, See, I cough, I yeah. mute myself, and then, uh-huh. I, and then I rush to press unmute, but then I don't press it all the way. and Then I start talking. The whole, the whole thing. It's I'll the whole thing. I'll leave this part in this time. I usually edit it out of my own <laughs> podcast. This is Patreon. People understand. We're here. We're here trying to bring you behind the scenes, not only of CIM, <laughs> behind the scenes, of but, the but the a conference. podcast recording as well. Um, I will say, so let's talk about like where to eat and some of the things that we like. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, like everyone's stomach is different. Like I might be like, Oh, I like Mexican food. You'd be like, I would never eat Mexican food in yeah. the day before a race. Well then obviously that's not gonna really apply to you. I will say this people who are spending the night downtown in Sacramento pretty close to the Capitol and the Expo. That area is a very business-centric, like when I say business, I mean like people go in there to work, right? So it's like mm-hmm. a downtown working environment. I say this to say, I've had this experience now twice. It's funny, like the first time, the second time, I forgot I had it the first time. So I was having like deja vu the second time I had it. Of There are no coffee places open Saturday morning in mm-hmm. downtown Sacramento. There just isn't. Right. You literally have to go into people's hotels to find like a coffee bar in there. All the coffee shops and some of the breakfast places and some of the bakeries on Saturday morning are closed because it's a very business-centric yeah you know like six to eight blocks and that was where my hotels have been i'm not complaining but i remember waking up and going i was gonna get a coffee be like how come i can't find a coffee place in the middle of a city that's open this is the like the bizarre thing i've walked past like six closed coffee shops like what is going on right so there's like there's obviously places to go again i'm just gonna put this out there if you're staying downtown Maybe just figure out if the coffee shop you want to go to is even open on a Saturday before you yeah. plan your morning around it. Um, I ended up going to like like a, a Starbucks that was like I think Mike it might have been the hotel that you were staying in actually uh, the Starbucks downstairs um, over there uh, right near the Expo that was that happened to be open but. For me, finding a coffee shop that was downtown is nice. Okay. But you're basically going west to east. You have old town Sacramento, and you have downtown, and then you have midtown. So old town is exactly how you think of it. It's like kind of like an old feel to it. Um, it's supposed to be like a semi historic kind of place, and so it's definitely some interesting places to eat there. Downtown, not as prevalent from the eating perspective, and midtown. You have like a whole panoply of options in terms of different stuff to eat. It's amazing what you can find uh, in Midtown Sacramento. I think the two things that stick out for me there are there's an amount, like, if like in. Depending on your tastes, literally and figuratively, um, a ton of like breweries, craft beer kind of places. Obviously, people aren't going to go to this race to drink, but that kind of food that's associated with that, you see a ton of places like that in Midtown Sacramento, as well as a, some really, really good Mexican food. And obviously, um, there's a lot of ways you can eat that. Maybe maybe lay off the beans the day before a race. But uh, I think you have a lot, a lot of really good choices in midtown Sacramento. And then um, some more, if you're going to stay, want to stay a little more downtown, a little bit closer to some of the hotels, um, there's kind of like more like chain-ish kinds of restaurants and maybe some more high-end stuff. Like there's like a place, um, I have a good friend who invited me out um, with her and the Jane's Elite Racing Team from down mm-hmm. in L.A. We're having a dinner at an Italian place, and I didn't, I didn't look it up ahead. Time they're like, "Hey, come meet us." I'm like, "All right, I'm, I'm heading down there." And I was um, not dressed for the occasion. Actually, ah. when I walked in, they thought I was with them when I walked in. No, I was not. I was there a little bit early. I walk in. I literally had my backpack on because I had just like. I had just actually Mike. I had gone from hanging out with you. I think I was. I dropped off like a piece of technology to Mike that he needed for something. I then walked over for the restaurant. So I have like a Rambling Runner T-shirt on and like a backpack, and I walk in and they're like, "Oh, so you're? Are you the GrubHub driver?" I'm like, "No, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm here to eat." Um, they were not pleased with the with how I looked, but anyway, wow. I think it was Alfornos, might have been, but I would say Midtown is where it's at for food, depending on what your tastes are. How about you guys in terms of any specific locations or kinds of food that you either got into or that you're looking forward to this time around?
2: Um I think for me like there's two meals that were memorable. One was like lunch the day that I went to the expo, like the day, maybe it was maybe it was Friday, maybe it was Saturday, but it's like in, it was in between like my hotel and the expo. So it was like super convenient. And there was just like a pizza buffet. The pizza wasn't great, but there was a lot of it. And I'm like quantity over was quality that Was theater. that the was
0: that the pizza place that was like on like the street the, the street that had like the streetcar going in the middle of it?
2: Uh, no, not that one. Okay, but there was another one. Like it was basically like across the street from the expo. Okay, and so I was just like, "This is great." And there's like a pizza buffet, so I ate that. I don't know the name of it, but it was there was a lot of food to eat. <laughs> and then the other thing that I ate, I don't remember where we ate because some people from like the Kofuzi Run Club were like, hey, we're going out to dinner. And I was like, all right, I'll go with you guys. So they picked it. But we went early. We like left and we were able to walk from the hotel, um, which was right by the expo and maybe like a 10 or 15 minute walk. But we went at like four. And so like that would be my one recommendation because you want to go to bed early anyway. So like start leaving for dinner like way earlier than you think because then you'll actually be able to like sit down. Uh, and yeah. eat and then because otherwise when we left there was people that were still like standing and waiting for like an hour uh, line to get into this like Italian restaurant so I was like I would not want that to be happening if that were me I'd be like I'm leaving I'm going to get Chipotle or something so like if you actually want to eat like a sit down dinner I would say leave at like you know four something that's just like ridiculously early because otherwise yeah. you'll be waiting too long
1: that's a good point it also brings up something. whether
0: to get reservations or not mm.
1: Oh, I, I would say, um, Mike, did you go to the grandma's pasta feed? Um, yes, grandma's I, yes, I, yes, I did. Yeah, I, 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 I had that. never been to one of those <laughs> like large race pasta dinners, but it was an amazing. I was super nervous because uh, I, I was like nervous about the race the next day. But I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. And I love that race, too. I, I think of grandmas and CIM as kind of like brother sister races They're They feel related in their nerdiness. Um, oh, yeah, but absolutely. It, in that regard, grandma's has like that, that experience really dialed, like uh, a couple different options and then just eat as much or as little as you want with no reservation and then get moving. Um, yeah, I have had the benefit again of the Airbnb experience the last couple years. And so I'll be staying in a hotel this year cause our crew is a little smaller and have to figure out, I'm actually, you know, thinking about what you're talking about. I'm always a bit chagrined to think about reservations and like even paying for a full pasta meal that i know i'm gonna eat like a quarter of um again very much fueled up for the race but by that point in the day kind of you know try not to i had an experience in chicago 2014 where i you know sat down at a chicago pasta place uh classic with my friends and we're just like geeking out telling stories and i look down and i'm like Oh my lord! I've just almost finished this entire plate of penne pasta, and that's going to be very difficult for my body to process. And I was super fortunate the next day to uh, finish the race and make it to the porta potties right after. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, the timing on that was didn't even,
0: uh, didn't even stop for a medal; just kept yeah, on exactly. running. exactly. Like, hey, let's
1: let's roll. Um, <laughs> and so i have in a without it going catastrophically bad. I have tried to learn from that and realize, like, okay, that last. Uh, pasta dish that you have, you really should be thinking of, or the way I think about it is like you should be fueling in multiple sources in terms of like liquid carbs, you know, bars, um, pasta, having had a big lunch, and then just trying to taper thinking about how to um, arrive at the starting line with like the best stomach possible. Um, and so a huge dinner the night before is not the way that works for me, but um, yeah. That's how I go Yeah, go nothing, about
0: it. nothing new. That's what I tell all my athletes, too. It's like, there's foods that you already like. Just eat those. For goodness sake, just save <laughs> the experimentation for after. Um, yeah, I think the night before last year, I ate at the public house downtown, mm. uh, which is right on uh, L Street, the corner of L Street and 16th Street. Um, it's kind of like a... A you know big bar slash restaurant. I was by myself, so it was easy to just like sit at the bar. Like again, like you did, like you did, Peter. I was watching uh, college football game, and I think I had like a you know a thin crust pizza, and it was great. Like okay. it was like you get the carbs in. It wasn't anything too exotic, and it was exactly what I was looking for. It was it was right on the money.
1: Well, so we're already at dinner, um, talking through the weekend, but I want you, Rambling Runner, sell me on the expo, and you know why am I gonna. <laughs> come and prop my feet up and listen to you ramble with what's going to be going down and sell us on it.
0: Are the years of friendship not enough for you, Peter? You need more? Um. So, sorry. If you <laughs> will all be there and anyone
1: listening to this should definitely swing by. Um, we'd love to meet you. But also you have official capacity as the host of what?
0: I do have official capacity. That's true. Yeah. We actually ironed it out um, this week. So we're going to do uh, two hours of live shows on uh, Friday and another two hours of live shows on Saturday. So I'm oh, really wow. excited. Um, I'm now, like, mixing up the times, of course, I am. But we'll put out plenty of this stuff um, later. I think it's 4 to 6 on Friday and 3 to 5 on Saturday. And if it's not that in, it's the reverse. But I'm pretty sure the expo's open later on Friday than it is on Saturday. So... I think it's four to six on Friday, three to five on Saturday, live shows, and they're gonna be more of the the short snippet variety. So instead of like panel discussions like I've done in the past, where it's like, all right, we have an hour to fill, let's just get three people up here. Mike was part of one last year, which was really fun. I think it's gonna be kind of a the opposite take on it, where we're gonna hmm. do basically like 20 minutes with with just one person and just okay. kind of cycle in, you know, five or six people. Through the two-hour mix, we'll have, you know, some pros on, we'll have amateur runners on, and people who, like, that I just know, right? So, like, a good example would be, like, say me, me, like, what are you guys, right? I haven't asked you guys, and this isn't, you know, but, like, an example of that, right? It was just like, all right, someone who, like, is a runner and someone that I know, someone I've had on the podcast a long time. And, gotcha, and gotcha. Kind of stuff like that, right? Or, like, someone like Jess Mena. Right, who comes on my show all the time and is a physical therapist who has run CIM before. She's going to be running it again this year. And kind of like we can touch on a couple of different things. So I'm excited because we're going to be doing like 10 to 12 live shows over the course of two days. Oh, awesome. Um, And and how the expo works is, as you guys, as Mike was saying earlier, it's not a big expo at all. So you really can't miss the live show kind of stage. So what they do is for the, the stages, they have stuff going on all day. Right. So it's not just like me talking about me here. Like they're going to have a lot of stuff like, and some of it's repetitive because I know that people, you know, aren't going to be in in the expo for, you know, two straight days. Right. So they'll have stuff like how to work with your pacer. What do the pace groups actually do? Talking about the course, Mm. talking about nutrition, talking about that sort of thing, you know, throughout the, the, the two day expo through Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm. I'm not the only podcaster who's going to be doing something. I'll leave the other per. I'll let the other person, um, rec- you know, talk about what they're going to be doing. But I think there's going to be another uh, podcaster who's going to be doing some interesting stuff as well. Is like political campaign
1: where you do not like mention the name of your competitor? You're like my competition. Well,
0: no, because I don't want to say it and then have it not happen.
1: Oh yeah, you're, because yeah. we're still Pol- like political. we're still a okay. while
0: out. So this person hasn't explicitly said it on her social media. So I don't gotcha. want to like say it first before she has. Um, when I, I, you're I say a she, it's not Lindsay yeah. Hine. I can just. <laughs> oh, I'm it's not say Lindsay. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so so they're gonna be doing a lot of that stuff. So a lot of course information, a lot of pacing information. Cool. Able to kind of do that stuff on repeat. Um and then some live shows as well for hope for hopefully some entertainment. If you're in the expo, you can't miss where the stage is. Is it? It's just it's all right it, there.
1: Is it in the is it downtown or is out is it out at that sort of uh arena?
0: It is um it is east of the arena, so basically the where the convention center is is a block yes. north and a block east of uh, the capital, like area, County. right? Yeah. So um, you're basically again. So you're 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 right. You're right northeast one block up from the the, the state capital. So oh, you're okay, right over there. In 2019, the arena they for moved like, it the Sacramento Kings a... is like yeah. four blocks. That is four blocks west. Of the expo.
1: Okay. It was somewhere weird in 2019. It was um, an actual bold. I don't think it was where the. Oh, Cause they part.
0: were, yeah, they were rebuilding gotcha. the convention center. So gotcha. they had to move it to a different spot.
1: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah so well, in
0: 2018, I- the convention center looks very different. And then they might not even be called a convention center, but you guys know what I'm talking about. 2019, they were redoing it. And then gotcha. since then it's back to the old place, which is now refurbished. I just want to
1: say that I like what you described in terms of who you'd have on or, like, the personalities you might have through. Because I've definitely been to expos where, and this probably happened at CIM years ago, where they have some of the pros who are hoping to race well the very next day up on stage looking like cardboard cutouts. And they're (laughs) terrified. (laughs) Right. I mean, I could probably sit here and write down every answer they give, you know, like, well, I'm hoping that the hard work I put in will pay off in the final miles. And it's just like, oh, my Lord, this is this is actually making me more nervous because I can sense how nervous they are. And it's like like the wrong vibe, you know, uh, a day out. I
0: think the best pro I I ever had on a live expo stage was actually was Sarah Crouch 2018 at CIM because she she was there from a coaching capacity because Uh she had just finished second or third or fourth American woman at Chicago but remember had fractured her leg in the process of doing that oh yeah and then, so she couldn't run CIM. So she was okay. just like, and she's an extremely she's, smart, energetic, yeah. fun person. So she was like ripping it. i like, this is great. This is like the best professional interview I've ever done in my life.
1: Yeah, she's really good on stage. She speaks in like full, unlike me right now, she speaks in full thoughts that are led off by like a thesis statement and then are, you know, <laughs> em- emphasized with a conclusion <laughs> That, that like hits and you're just like, man, did she have these questions ahead of time? Like she really speaks emphatically. I've heard her in Boston before and just been blown away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not, I'm not like against having a pro and doing a live show, but again, you kind of understand where they're coming from, right? I mean, we've all seen these pro interviews, like, you know, at half, like, you know, yeah, they're not great unless like you already have a relationship with a person and they're just known to like let it fly or it might just not, not be their a-race right and yeah, they just kind of like ah, whatever. yeah whatever right oh, um sure. but yeah probably more of the the rambling runner style of like dedicated amateur kind of people or just people who cool, are, cool. who are used to it for sure um mike so the thing is so you're obviously you're as part of like what you do with youtube you're constantly like doing media stuff like for you, uh, you know, in terms of capturing the moment and being able to to share it later on, are you doing anything outside of that with either like the Kafuzi Run Club or or just other in other capacities? I know you're you're you know you're you're a desired male at this point. Like, you're a very very popular guy, right? There's, uh, there's 52,000 views of your New York City video that just came out like 10 minutes ago.
2: Uh yeah, no, I don't have too much uh scheduled and that's kind of like what's nice about like CIM or like Mm. when I went to grandma's is cause it is a smaller kind of group and so like I don't feel as much pressure to put on like a bunch of stuff. So I mean we'll see if anyone wants to kind of like throw something at the last minute, but like last year it was just kind of like, all right, we're gonna meet at the Capitol like 10 30, 10 o'clock or something, and we'll we'll figure out a route to run for about 5k take some selfies and then that's kind of it, you know, keep it really nice and simple. Um, probably do the same thing this year. Last year we like, um, there was a 5k going on the day before and we had like yeah. accidentally like crossed the route. Um, cause I didn't know that there was a 5k and the route that I had planned went right across it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was an adventure. Um, but you know, I, I like to keep it pretty chill for this one. Um, because it, it's, you know, this is a race that I want to run fast at. And so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to balance. Like, I could do a lot of stuff the week leading up, or I can try to run well. I think it's just about impossible to try and do both.
0: I agree. Um, I will say this before we start talking about the race course, we will in one second. Last thing is if you're going to be in town Saturday morning, you're going to have a million options for shakeouts. Okay. There are a ton of companies that do shakeouts, every mm. coaching service is doing a shakeout. There's people like Mike who might just have like a following and people want to get together. They'll do a shakeout. So um, there's really no, there's no reason to run alone if you don't want to, right? If you're in, if you're on social media at all. You're going to find a shakeout run to be a part of. Or if you just kind of like walk near the Capitol around 9, 930, you're probably going to run into 15 different groups. I remember I actually started in the McCurdy trained shakeout in 2018 and somehow finished with the Gooder shakeout. And I don't even know when I went from one group to the other. All of a sudden I'm finishing up. they're like, okay, the gooder sunglasses are over here. I'm like, wait, where am I? I had no idea. Um, and I was like how did I, not, how did I miss James? James is like six foot three with a booming voice and all of a sudden I'm not near him anymore. I'm with the gooder people. but I just say that to say there's a lot of opportunities for shakeout runs. you know, 20, 30 minutes get off you know get that in. Uh, you don't have to do a solo if you don't want to. Lots of options. Um, That's great. Let's start talking about the course. Before we do it, let's talk about getting to the starting line. Which hmm. I think I think is probably going to be not the biggest hurdle, but I think the part that people are going to be really trying to wrap their brain around because that is going to be a unique experience for them if they've never run this before. Whereas they might have run tons of marathons and they're not intimidated by the course or they feel very confident getting to the starting line. However, if you've never done this race before, can feel like a little bit a little bit of an unknown, especially with it, it being a point to point race. So you're leaving. Out of Folsom in terms of the starting line and finishing it down to Sacramento, but if you're you know flying into the race course, you're probably staying next to the finish line and not the starting line. So Peter, as someone who's done this race the most <sighs> on this call, how about you talk about just getting to the starting line and the timing of it all?
1: yeah, I mean, I, the thing I would say about point to point courses is that at some point in the whole process, I always think to myself why do I do this to myself? Like, why do I, What I, I love to run Boston CIM. And then this year I ran grandmas. And when you're, it is worth noting and accepting, like getting past the like anxious, emotional hurdle of, Oh, wow. I need to navigate this whole process. I mean, we've all, I followed a lot of people in New York last weekend and New York is by far the hardest you know multiple forms of transportation so it's all to say that um getting to the starting line can be pretty smooth but even if it is done smoothly so 2016 i was staying at a hotel near the finish my friend and i you know set our alarm for four or 4 30 and then snoozed and then got up did the breakfast routine went to the bathroom i like to take a shower the morning of to just really be like okay here we go, like I'm awake, no like if ands, or buts about it. Um, and then in my experience, if you go down and it's like uh, there must be a, I'm sure there's a psychological term for this, like committing to one line versus the skittishness of like, there's another line, maybe that line over this line. Da, 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 da. Um, in my experience, I went down, we got in a line and then I saw other lines, but we stick. we stuck with it and we got on a bus. And then the moment we had our seat on our bus, It was smooth sailing to the start, and then, like, the process worked like it was supposed to. Um, I know that, you know, there are – I find that, like, everyone knows that story about the bus that broke down. (laughs) Like, whether it was at Boston or whether it was at Grandma's or whether – you know, um, the majority of the buses don't
0: break down, and you can get to the start.
1: Um, And they build in quite a bit of time. And they are
0: coach buses. They are not, like, school buses that have been, you know, repurposed for a Saturday.
1: Oh, some I
0: think of them I are school buses though oh really there are yeah, school I buses school bus. uh, oh. at cim
2: okay. i didn't take one but there are i've seen them
1: oh and okay. then i i know that there are multiple pickups my friend my teammate was saying that he was at a hotel that had its own separate yeah. pickup from the main thing which was awesome thumbs up but thumbs down like it was a smaller bus and so there was you know it's one of those things where they're like trust us everyone will get a bus like even if you don't get on this first bus um but imagine how much your heart like even saying that my adrenaline starts to surge and so <laughs> it's like you know maybe if, if you just i think it requires a lot of um being in control of your own emotions and your own decision making and not blaming other people if you're like oh i have to wait for the next bus that's the that's what i chose to do and that will be fine um and it likely will work out it just might be closer timing um
0: and you get the I, drop bag too. Like, the, if you walk, if you walk down, you can do the drop bag, or you can do it the day before, so you can have that at the finish line. Even if you are staying in a hotel near the finish line, you still have that option for you know waiting for you.
1: And so, remind me about this. Up until recently, you used to be able to drop a bag at the start, and that's no longer part of no, it. No, not la- okay. last
0: year. It was you, you did it before you got on the bus, or I think you could do it the day before.
1: Which is like Boston where, yeah, they'll have – you can leave stuff for yourself at the finish so that you're taken care of, um, which is good to know because, yeah, in the 2016, 2017, 18, you could I, – I used to joke about it. It was like that would be the truck to rob because people are just, like, shoving iPhones and junk, like, all sorts of valuables because they're so nervous and then they would just throw it up onto the truck. Um, I was like, wow, there's a lot of valuables in that truck. But anyways um, – so that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, this is a fully like the type of race where you need to have your throwaway uh, apparel, throwaway secondary, whatever uh, to head to the start.
0: Right. So we're going to going to California, obviously. So um, some people might assume that even if it's, it's going to be warm and maybe it's warmer than they, where they live. Um, last year, we got off the bus at the at the start line and it was chilly. Right. And I, I you know, Mike's living in Chicago. I'm living in the Northeast. Like it was, it was legitimately chilly uh, at the starting line. And if you're coming from warmer temperatures, it will probably feel even colder than that. So definitely, you want to put yourself in a position where you're going to be wearing some warmer gear that you can just uh, you know, kind of discard uh, near the near the starting line, and they they pick all that stuff up and all that. Uh, I will say it was again. I haven't done. You guys have done more major marathons than I have. It was the longest row of porta potties that I had ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah. Um, granted, it was dark. It.
0: it was dark at the moment, but it was like a never-ending string. I think I did my I think I did my shakeout run. I went down and back and I don't think I went to the end of the porta potty line. I think I was <laughs> it fine. Is,
1: it's it's become like a meme of them that they're known for, like just how many And I mean it's worth noting if it's your first CIM that um they they arrange the mostly going northwest like away from the starting line. Um I've heard people say like there weren't enough porta potties. I'm like, "Oh, cuz they also arrange them kind of radiating northeast." Oh, okay. Yeah, cuz I mean, you get off sorry. the
0: bus and you start walking yeah. towards the starting line. The starting line's on your left or you yes. can take a right to and a yes. never-ending string of
1: Never-ending. And actually, <laughs> I've often gotten d- dropped off by friends um on at the very end of that row and so I've gotten to walk like the entire row of the porta potties and it it's, it gives you peace of mind. It gives you peace of stomach <laughs> and digestive tract that you know, like it's all there. Um, I'll um, my joke about morning of uh, porta potty usage is, you know the you know the movie uh, Princess Bride.
0: Didn't see it. What Princess you Bride? You seen a classic.
1: Princess Bride? <laughs> Come on. Well, it's a story. You'll have to watch it with your children this weekend. But it's a story that the framing of it is that it's about three kisses. And so like, it's a love story and there's three, there's anyways, there's three moments in the movie with three important kisses. And so I call the race day morning, like the story of three bathroom breaks. <laughs> so like, I know I'm ready to go. If I like go to the bathroom at three points along that, that morning and I try to build backwards like enough hours to really feel like I'm walking to the starting line feeling good.
0: <laughs> no detail spared on this CL. No, this is I mean, down. this is literally
1: um, <laughs> you wanna be ready to go.
0: How, be, how about you, Mike? What do you remember from um from bus drop off to the starting line that you wanna make sure that you remember this time around, um, to make to make sure that you're you're prepared, or maybe something that you didn't do the first time that if you could go back and do it again, which you will be in a month, that you wanna make sure that maybe you 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 alter that uh for your plan this time around.
2: Yeah, I think I had a great experience and it goes to the notion that like there's a reason why the running nerds come here not just because of the course not just because of the reliably good weather because the races run so efficiently well so like i got up early um did the bag drop the morning up which i love because then i could put my phone in my bag drop and then have a phone immediately after the race like for new york i didn't do bag drop because i was like i'm not going to put my phone in a bag like Mm. the night before a race because i need my phone the night before um so like it kind of is really nice to have the morning up option and then i got on like the first bus we were like the second bus that arrived um the entire bus ride up i listened to a rambling runner podcast on the way up and kind of just was nice and chill so like i use that ride up as like an extension of kind of like my gradual morning i'm like the opposite of peter i don't want to be like super wide awake right away because i still Mm. want to kind of like relax it's dark out um, and kind of ease into the morning a little bit more um, before I get up there. And my bus was really chill. So, like, people weren't, like, super over-the-top energy-wise. Most people wanted to sleep. And so it was a very relaxing ride-up for me.
0: Yeah, it's about 40, 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know how long it's going to take. It's, you're literally basically doing the marathon course backwards um, uh, as you're driving up to Folsom. And, um, yeah, it's funny, people walking to the bus, the main bus area, which last year, I don't know where it is this year, but know, last year was kind of in the southwest corner of the Capitol Plaza. It was kind of where you would kind of come in um, and start getting in the bus lines there. And it wasn't really a line. You just were to, like, walk right onto a bus. Um, mm. And that, it was funny watching, <laughs> seeing people kind of migrate towards the buses, it was like, um, it was kind of like, a, everyone was just kind of like sleepwalking. In a way, it actually kind of reminded me of like a zombie movie. Like no one was interacting and everyone was kind of walking a little stiffly on the way to the the early morning shuffle to the bus. Um, But you see people just kind of like, you know, moving down side streets. And like at every intersection, you see other people kind of moving. It's it's a really odd little thing as you're walking through a downtown area where you know you can kind of see everyone coming because it's it's all blocked out um, in terms of the the street layout. Um, So you got about 40, 45 minute ride up to Folsom. I was on a really nice coach bus and I'll say this, if it is chilly and even if you are dressed accordingly, I think one of the the hacks to this is staying on the bus as long as you can. Mm -hmm. If you go to the bathroom, get back and you don't have to get back on the bus that you came on. You can just get back on a bus yeah, and that way you can stay off your feet. You can stay warm. You're going to be super comfortable if you're there with a friend. Maybe you you, you can each go back to a, a bu- you know, the same bus and kind of chill out and talk. You don't have to be standing on the street or trying to find a curb to sit down on. Um, you know, you're, you're not really in charge of, like, how early you're there, right? You get on a bus yeah. when the buses are available and just start when you start. The start time is fixed and stoned. So you're going to be up there maybe longer than you would be, like, in terms of getting ready for a normal long run or say you're running a 5K, a local 5K. So utilize the buses, not merely for transportation and not merely for the heating element, but just getting off your feet. I think that that is a really easy way to, um, to maximize the experience. Um, and you're, again, you're parked right next to the port a It's not even like, oh, but yeah. what if I need to go again? Like you're right there. You're so fine. I think it's, it's getting back on the bus for me. Once I did that, so I was kind of meandering around. I'm like, where do I go? I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go back on the oh, bus. Yeah. Yeah. And I was back on for like another 40 minutes and it was great.
1: Oh well, yeah. No, I I think hopefully we're reinforcing this. Uh, a man wrote me a, he forwarded me his race kind of recap write up after Boston this spring, and it reinforced to me just how exhausted he was before the gun even went off and the race started. And so that's a it's a little bit Boston specific because of all the emotions and that Boston that takes even longer because um, of the big cityness. But I think CIM is similar in terms of like it can be super smooth if you know to expect it or it can be nerve-wracking if it just feels like oh where should i be so much time one thing just because no geeked out element is too small for this um particularly in the super shoe era my teammates and i have adopted a tradition of wearing old trainers to the starting line um because it can feel weird to like walk out of your hotel room wearing alpha flies um this is not necessary. I'm sure you could fi- do fine either way. I prefer the feeling of spending those hours in an old pair of trainers that I'm happy to give away, anyways. And then, you know, right after, honestly, warm up, um, slipping into like my race shoes and feeling like, okay, it's on. And for me, that's like a physical switch, that's a mental switch. And it's like, here we go, versus you'll see a lot of people you know, walking around in their sweatsuits and bright alpha flies or whichever super shoe they choose. And it's, I think it can just be like a little bit of a funny scenario, like four hours in those shoes.
0: I will say this. If someone does bring their race shoes, don't leave them on the bus when you go to the bathroom because good luck finding the bus you came in on. They all look identical.
1: Well, now I have a great uh, nightmare that I can just run through my brain.
0: <laughs>
1: I, it's better I than my,
0: actually living the situation. I have like, oh, uh, looks like I'm be wearing the running the marathon in the Vomero twelves.
1: Yeah, here we go. I have that. That's a typical. It's a nightmare I've had many times. Like you get to the start line
0: and you're like, I only have my old beat up trainers. I don't have my racing shoes. You're like. Come on, Peter. Do you It'll do you, you find do you, can you find solace in remembering that Tony Post once ran a marathon in um
1: <laughs> Rockports?
0: <laughs> in Rockports. <laughs> <laughs> Boston no less. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hammering the downhills in the first 10K in Rockports.
1: <laughs> oh dear. All right. Are we at the start of the race yet? Almost? We are.
0: We are literally and figuratively at the start of the race. So let's talk about uh this race. Peter, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this as someone who's run the course more often than anybody. And has, he as you told us has even walked the course, right? You've done, well, you've, you've, you've done a whole lot well, of different jogged things. the
1: course, jogged the course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I mean, the thing that everyone says is true, which is get ready for downhills and get ready for uphills. And a lot of people prepare for the first part and they don't prepare for the second part. Um, so right off the start, everyone bolts like bad out of hell. Um, I, what was it, 2017, I took off with my teammates and Carrie Dimoff, who's a friend of ours, a teammate, um, who ended up going on to finish third in the race, um, like a half mile in. We are like,
0: hey, Carrie, how's it going?
1: <laughs> She's like, good. And we're like, okay. Um, to put that didn't...
0: perspective, she, you ended up beating Carrie by like 10 minutes, right? Like, uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, well, actually only, only seven or eight, but uh, she was out about, uh, about 30 seconds Per mile hot, um but it's I just did the a, same
0: thing to Amelia Benton, except I was the one running too fast. She's like, "Hey Matt, listening you? to your CIM podcast about how fast about you plan going. What are you doing next to me?"
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's worth noting only because it's like, why not obsess the details that you you go falling down a downhill, and then there's a sharp right turn, and so there's it almost feels like cross country, which is ironic because it's such a long race. But a lot of guys at the packs I'm a part of are like. You know, right turn coming up, right turn coming up, um, because there's just no reason to fall. I've had friends do the whole marathon build and then get to the start. It's, at the,
0: it's almost at exactly at the one mile mark, just it's to put it just, in perspective. Yeah, it's insane. just
1: before the one mile mark, because it's notable that you hit the one mile mark going uphill. And it's not an insignificant uphill. You go from crashing downhill to banging a hard right turn and then suddenly needing to switch, you know, if it were a bike, you'd be like switching three gears. So you're like, I need to not over-rev, I need to change my pace dramatically. And then I'm gonna to have to change my pace dramatically again, coming off this little kicker of a hill. But you mm-hmm. have hardly breathed hard at all, hopefully, because you've been like falling downhill. Um, and then you start the really long, like sloping downhills that roll into slight sloping uphills. But I think it's good to think of it as someone said to me years ago, it's always like one step up two steps down in terms of like you always get back what you went up and plus more Um, and so as long as you are in tune with that changing of gears I think the thing the times I've seen friends fail is when they just like hammer into the they just carry the downhill momentum straight into the next uphill and they they gap me and you're sort of like you can feel it your body starts to work harder and you go oh I could just you know, maintain pace because I am stubborn or you could be like, oh, you know, like r- downshift a bit, go up the hill and then remember to reaccelerate off the top of the hill. Um, I always, I always try to take nutrition going downhill because of the slight more oxygen that you have and the easier ability to breathe. So I'm always mindful of, um, over th- even over those fat since 2016, I've learned to take in more gels and more fluid um so i now take a gel like every three to five miles uh, which is more than it used to be it used to be about every six miles and i've realized oh i actually feel better if i take more even if i don't want to because you're like being a baby about it you're like oh this is going to be hard but it's like uh, effectively i feel better but i always try to at cim i try to time it with like okay catch your breath coming off of the top of a hill and then if it is around the time when I was supposed to take a gel, then make sure to take that gel as I'm like on a smooth, long descent. And um, I always, when people ask for course uh, tips, I typically send them the YouTube video that we can link to, um, which is just on the CIM YouTube page of they drove it in 2014. And it can be a little hard to take in if you've never seen the course, because it kind of feels like a lot of the same. But if you particularly if you've seen the course, even between 2018 and 2019, when I was trying to race my maximum, I would just watch the course again and again, just to like, um, so it didn't feel I find like anything new can feel a little bit uh, nerve wracking, and then induce a little bit of anxiety and then like make your body tight. So I I was just like, leading up to my best runs there I would just watch the course again and then be like oh yeah okay yeah and this is when we go by here it's not particularly beautiful it's like suburban California um you know you're going by some gas stations some strip malls at times but it actually the more familiarity you have with those rolling hills the better what how did you experience it Mike was it similar to what you expected or was it different
2: Um, There was The uphills were a little bit more surprising than I was expecting. Like I had kind of done that like video course preview too. Um, And last year they had an app that was like uh, annotated. Mm. So like there was a coach that went through and annotated, like here's usually where I tell people to take gels or Mm. watch out for this hill. So I'd kind of like taken in a lot of that information too. Um, But like I was a little bit surprised at the uphills, but like I use the uphills Like, uh, as my time to take gels, because, like, I always like, well, I'm not good at uphills anyway. So, my strategy is to just be really bad at them. And so, I (laughs) treat them like recovery. And I usually look to hills to take gels because I'm already slowing down. And Uh. it forces me to stay easy and not like overcook myself trying to maintain pace, but instead maintaining effort. And then I'll coast down the um, downhill, hopefully, feeling pretty good and so like that's kind of like my my approach to it um but there was plenty of times where i saw a hill and i would get towards the top and even with my approach i'm like this was a lot more hill than i was expecting to see Mm -hmm. at this point so there was some surprises there but the downhills were really nice yeah for sure for sure i really like
1: mile 10 oh sorry just to say i I, yeah mile 10 is like a beautiful section where you head into this Mm -hmm. little actually don't know what the town is but uh like a town (laughs) proper town center so you i think of it like you bang a left you bang a right and then in town you take another left and then you go through town and you take a right i have like i can see it in my mind just because it's it's kind of fun like you hopefully it's a good reminder to me like this is mile 10 of a marathon you shouldn't be feeling like you're working too too hard and if you if you can't take in that little bit of excitement maybe you need to like dial back the effort slightly
0: yeah, no, definitely. I can picture that in my mind as well. And if people are looking at a say, kind of the race map. It's kind of like, yeah, you kind of like a right angle. It's funny how it comes out. Like you go west, and then you take like a right angle south at like mile like six, and then right before you kind of bang another like right angle west. It's like you see those squiggly lines there at the corner, and that's what Peter's talking about. It is kind of a, a nice spot, and I can kind of definitely visualize it even a year later, I know exactly what what you're talking about. And for me, how I chunk up the race, especially in the first half or so is in a couple different spots. So like the first mile is like its own beast, right? It's like, you're going to be having a pretty, pretty significant downhill, right? So you're going to be going downhill, you know, 60 to 70 feet in the first mile, which obviously if you're already, you know, feeling juiced up, like, that can kind of, you know, you're going to be going pretty quick depending on how crowded your starting corral is. Obviously, that can kind of cancel it out for some people depending on on where they're starting. Um, and then the kind of the mile, mile, like kind of like the next mile and a half after that is kind of just rolling up and down. Peter talked about the, the mini hill at mile one. You're going to see another one of those right after that, right? So you get like kind of a mile and a half of kind of uh, quick rolling, Um Hill, not hills, but just kind of terrain. Again, nothing too steep. And then, at, you know roughly mile two point three, just before mile two and a half or so, you're going to get another mile and a half of similar downhill than you saw at the beginning. Okay, mm. so you kind of get like a downhill, then you get a little bit of a roller, then you get another downhill. Then you're at mile four. So at this point, you're obviously at this point, you're you're ready to go. You're completely warmed up. You should be in, in the flow at this point. Um, then this point four through Basically, 11 or so, kind of right before you took the downhill that Peter just talked about, you have about almost seven miles there where this part, I think, is what messes people up, where like they mm. kind of view this as like, this is a downhill marathon. In the beginning, I want to take advantage of the downhills. Four through 11, it's not. It's not downhill. It's a net zero in terms of yeah. um, up and down, right? So the, the, to po- the elevation gain at mile four is exactly the elevation gain at mile like, 10.7. Okay. And there's a lot of quick up and downs, a lot of like what you see between the miles one and 2.3. You're going to see a lot of the same kind of thing between miles four and 10.7. Okay. And you just have to be prepared for this. Now, most people out there probably run on very similar terrain on most of their easy runs. Okay. So it's not going to be anathema to most of the people running the race. I think it's more about expectation. Okay, miles four through seven is not going to be downhill. It's going to be very similar to what most of your running is going to be like, it's going to be roughly a like a 30 foot to one elevation gain ratio in terms of feet per mile. Okay, so not completely flat, but you got a little bit in there, uh, some a little bit more than others, but just understand that in that area, it's not going to be a downhill race. You're going to be kind of, like, kind of a little up, a little down, a little up, a little down, um, kind of like mini rollers is how I describe it. And then that takes you to the significant downhill that Peter just mentioned, right around mile 11. Mm. And that downhill is basically the steepest downhill of the race. Um, and, yeah. then bas- and you kind of go into that one, right into probably the steepest uphill of the race. So it really is kind of like a, a funny course like that in terms of like you once you get into a zone all of a sudden you you can't kind of stay in that zone. I liked your your um your bike comparison before coming out of mile 1. Like you really don't get into that rhythm in terms of the the um the topography and elevation gain of the course, right? You might be in a rhythm like in- internally, but you're not just like feeling the flow and having one thing the whole time. Even if yeah. that thing was more on the challenging end.
1: And I I find it to be, I mean, mentally engaging sounds like the opposite of what you'd want in a marathon, but I enjoy, um, this feeling of like, there's a treat coming up. Um, I have said for years that I thought Chicago was one of the hardest races I've ever run because it was like a track marathon. It was just like as much gas as I could give at any moment and as much pain as I could take on, that's what I needed to do. And it was reflected in my heart rate data. Like my heart rate was just through the roof. Whereas yeah, you, I kind of adore us, a rolling CIM where you're like, okay, here comes this hill, but I know on the other side, I'm going to be able to catch my breath. Um, I have a a saying someone passed on to me years ago, which was like, no decisions on an uphill. Um, like (laughs) don't make decisions on an uphill, um, which my wife and I have done translated to sort of like our marital and, uh, life advice, which is like when things are hard, don't like make drastic decisions but I have I wrote about it years ago because at CIM I think 18 was when I was trying to OTQ for the first time and so I was going like way above what anything I'd ever tried and on those little uphills you're describing Matt I would be like I'm going to take off my gloves I'm going to throw off my hat like I'm too hot and it was just like no don't don't throw off your hat cuz actually you're going to be going downhill pretty soon and it's not that warm it's perfect temperature um so just like keep your shit together and keep your clothes on and then um I mean, over the yeah pro tip. <laughs> um i ended up throwing those gloves and hat like later in the race you know like after the half marathon when you're when the sun is actually up um but it they're the hills are significant enough that if you're not expecting them um they don't need to ruin your race i mean i don't think it's like a race that if it was a flat marathon with some of those hills, you'd be like, well, that's not flat. that's uh, that's a hilly marathon. Um, but because it's net downhill, you get it back.
0: yeah, and it's more of a mental challenge than a physical one, I think for most people. You know, that's, yeah, that's that's what I experienced in the in my where I was running that there would be a lot of people cursing under their breath every time they saw mm-hmm. a hill, and it wasn't even that big of a hill. Like, I live in a hilly place. I actually kind of welcomed it. yeah because it was like, oh, these these aren't that big. this like my this looks like my street. Like no big deal, but you can tell people were like, "Oh, god damn it!" Like here comes another one. Mike, how did you manage your just your pacing strategy, especially say like in that miles like four through eleven? Like you went into this race last year like with a goal. You wanted you wanted to go sub three. You hadn't done it at Mm -hmm. that point, and you you know been pretty open about this is my goal. And you were definitely like in that zone of fitness, so it wasn't even like a stretch goal, but it was a big goal for you. How did you measure your um your either whether whether it was from a pace strategy or a heart rate or an effort how do you negotiate those miles uh
2: yeah i was running uh using a power meter and so like i am trying to really nail down consistent effort and so you know all the uphills i just kind of treat them as recoveries or they're like there should feel relatively you know air quotes easier um because you're not trying to like hammer up the hill so like Either way, like the amount of energy I'm going to hopefully theoretically put out is the exact same where it's up or down. And so um, I just kind of like it takes a little bit of faith because you're like, you see like the pace group leave you, you know, and that's terrifying, but you know that you'll catch them on the downhill because they're not going to kind of like compensate in the same way or maintain that consistent effort because they're like recovering from after the uphill. And so like I try to maintain more of a consistent effort throughout um and remember that like you know paces are fluid you know like a six minute 50 second mile isn't six minute 50 seconds the entire time and Mm -hmm. so i just needed to i need the math to all end up on the happy side at the end of the mile but um try to like flow with whatever your body is kind of giving because you know like if you look at any kind of like run your pace number like that graph is never flat. There's things that your body is naturally doing somehow where it's always kind of undulating a little bit. And so sometimes faster will feel easy. Sometimes faster will feel hard, but I always try to kind of just ride the wave and just make it feel consistent. And that's something I've been doing since then is trying to really nail down like what does marathon effort feel like? Mm -hmm. And then basically, you know, have the watch on during the race so I could have something to study later, but try to You know worry about it as little as possible during the
1: race that's huge i mean i think that's honestly like i I listened to the post-race press conference with scott fobble in new york and it's essentially what he's saying like he gets into like moves that he thinks about making moves he does make and moves he chooses not to make because he just he he says repeatedly like i just felt like that was a bad idea Um, (laughs) and you're like, oh yeah, it's about that feeling. I definitely have had times at CIM, um, in the middle where I'm like, this is so easy. I actually don't even feel like I'm touching the ground. I'm like just so in a pack and I'm in a rhythm and then that'll, you know, quickly followed not by like exhaustion and poor performance, but like, oh man, it got hard again, you know? And it just like Mm -hmm. those things, they alternate.
0: Yeah, and like I basically like to chunk up the, the first half like we talked not even first half um that we talked about, but then kinda of taking basically if you if you look at the actual halfway point of the race, so you know, thirteen point one miles, um, and kind of like looking at it from there, I think you know I didn't even say thirteen point one, so you look at say miles twelve and a half to just over fifteen, right? So kind of like that almost three mile stretch. Right in the middle, again, this is like a net zero in terms of incline, decline, okay? It a, it's similar to miles 4 through 11, but just less severe. So a slightly flatter version of miles 4 through 11. However, it's later in the race, so it might feel exactly the same because you might be getting more tired and uh, yeah. and things like that. Uh, I think that's just something that you have to, to, to bank in in terms of, like, your feeling of the race might not necessarily mimic what you can see on a race chart or things like that. So, you know, miles, again, 12 and a half to about 15 and Again, it's a net zero incline wise. And then basically from that point on at mile 15, from there down, it, it never reaches that elevation gain against so you're basically at, according to my watch, you're at elevation of 102. And then you basically go down to sea level, um, at around mile 20. Okay. So I feel like from, Fifteen to twenty, it's you know I, I think I think of the second half of this race course not a whole lot different than the first half. It's just like smooshed down a little bit in terms oh, gotcha. of like the the slope of the hills and the size of the hills. Um, but if you're struggling, it's going to feel pretty similar to the the rest of the race. I remember how yeah. I viewed it afterwards. I was like. I, I was surprised like, Oh, those weren't as, as big as I remembered, but I remember it was because I was struggling at the time. Um, but I think that you have kind of that similar feel, uh, potentially that you had earlier in the race. But, uh, if you're feeling good, however, I feel like miles 15 to 20, you can probably can take advantage of that net downhill of roughly hundred feet over five miles, which isn't a lot. And then 20 to the, um, to the finish line, except for like the bridge, which isn't a very big bridge. Uh, it's only it's only big if you're really, really, really hurting. Um, is is basically twenty to the finish line is for all intents and purposes flat. Um Because yeah. you're kind of going through downtown Sacramento at that point for the vast majority of it. Um, but I feel like I th- the the first half is is if you're feeling good, I would assume I hadn't experienced this. You guys would know better than me. Would the fr- the first half would be um, a more challenging section of the course, even though it's more of a net downhill than the second half, but, um, but that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story.
1: The thing I'd say about 15 to 20 is that it is, um, it's right in that 15 to 20 is an awesome section of this course. And it's awesome enough that I've seen people get themselves into trouble, um, because you hit 16. I mean, the the truth is you hit 16 and you have, you have to run a 10 miler with like with the legs and the glycogen that you have left, you have to hit a 10 miler. And actually my buddy who hit the trials qualifier at like 16, he came up on my shoulder and I was like, easy, easy, like, like hang out till 19. It's just that thing of like who among us at 19 miles in a marathon, like doesn't have enough miles left to go to work, to do the work, you know, to run ourselves exhausted. Um, Whereas at 16, I see a lot I've I've been in the race and seen guys like move to the front of the pack at 16 and I'm like sweet man I'm gonna follow you I am not going to lead this pack and sure enough four miles later there's a big difference in a marathon between mile 16 and mile 20 it's just like a world of mental difference and so um what I would say there is like if it is slightly easier or if you're feeling good like allow yourself to feel good (laughs) During those, like, don't take feeling good as a sign that you need to pick it up. And I mean, Mike, to your point about feeling that marathon effort, it might actually oddly feel a little bit easier than marathon effort. um, But just knowing, I was thinking about our conversation and reflecting back to the times I've run CIM, and it's like, you really have to get honest with yourself about like how many miles at the end you're going to be ready to like drag out and fight through and how many is too many you know so if, if you hit like for me i know like if i hit that i've run it enough that i hit that bridge at 21 and a uh a little like a third and i'm like here we are like this is now it's on now it's, i feel horrible but like i've probably felt worse and like i'm ready to fight for these last like five miles um i'm ready to race and just have it be very hard and because i've accepted it like i head into that section um ready for how daunting it is versus if that hits at 19 or 18 it can be like oh oh my gosh like just over you know it's only two miles earlier but you're like it can be overwhelming you can spiral so like give it i would just i encourage teammates and friends like give yourself a chance to almost feel like oh man i've left it till too late because like it's rarely too late to really go to work in a marathon um but to your point about the downhill it can it can lure you into being like maybe i could just pick it up That's exactly what I did last year.
2: So like in those (laughs) miles, I ran um, my five fastest miles was that stretch. Um, All of them 10 seconds per minute faster than goal pace because I was feeling good and I was looking at my watch and I'm like, these numbers are exciting. Let's stay with this feeling Um, and kind of ignoring what marathon effort should kind of feel like at that point um and then i paid for it at mile 24 and then after Mm. that like things really like shut down and so like i was still had a chance by mile 24 but i think you know the over under of it is like yes i gained 50 seconds in that five mile stretch but i lost two minutes in miles 24 25 and 26 so like you know uh there, there's no kind of banking time ever in, in a marathon and i didn't think i was doing that but there was definitely a point where i kind of like looked back behind me and i was like oh that was just a pretty big downhill and i feel my legs right now and i'm like we i just did that wrong i definitely mm. I'm like, I, I made a mistake i knew that um at about mile 19 i was like i screwed that up um hopefully i won't mm. pay for it too hard but then like after i crossed the bridge i was like yep i I screwed it up. So, so I knew, I I knew. Um, Is is it because,
0: Mike, is because of the, that downhill section where you really don't have those corresponding ups where you can, you really kind of get into that rhythm where you're like, I'm, you can kind of mistakenly think like, wow, I'm feeling awesome instead of like, all right, I'm making this downhill work for me right now. Is it like kind of, kind of misplacing what's actually happening?
2: Yeah. I think I just, I always get too excited at that point in the marathon anyway. Cause I guess like, I'm not getting bored, but like my mind is like, all right, I'm ready to kind of be done exercising soon. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and, but you're also still feeling really good. So you're kind of like putting those two things together and you're so like, like, let's hurry up. Why not? Um, but like, that's really where the discipline comes into, into play. And like, um, you know, the key for me to like kind of like starting to figure out the marathon is understanding that that's like, that's a trick, that's a trap. Like don't don't start pushing there, it's way too mm. early, like Peter the, was the saying. The 10
0: mile fast finish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, whoa. And then like, the <laughs> idea, I talk about
1: this a lot about the Boston course, You the idea of banking time, like literally running faster to have seconds like squirreled away to your goal time versus banking effort. This idea of, oh wow, what if I make it from 16 to 20 and it's easier because it's slightly downhill, but I'm I'm hitting the same pace and I'm not squirreling away second. I'm not like picking up anything against my goal, but I am extending my legs such that I can, you know, run more confidently and feeling better later. Um, which is, I think it's probably like obvious why it's hard to conceptualize because you can't see it on your watch and you like can't see it in yourself. You're not like, oh, I can... You're not like a video game character who's like i'm conserving points it, you know you just have to trust that if you run a little bit easier i mean sometimes with power meters or like uh, with heart rate monitors you'd be like oh i'm actually like running at a slightly lower heart rate and so that'll give me that confidence um but yeah i think there's plenty of i mean was it years ago tim tollefson um is like almost a humble brag like he made fun of me for positive splitting um cim <laughs> He's like, who positive splits CIM? And I'm like, oh, I guess I did because I went out. 98% of marathoners? Yeah, exactly. But he's, (laughs) if you're like him and you have like this just enormous engine and super speed, like the the, the last six miles of CIM can be like just flying. Um, And particularly after the bridge. So like 20, let's call it like 21 and three quarters. It's just like this long, slow, gradual, um, losing a foot every, I don't know, it's one of those views like we all know it as runners where you it's you know it's downhill because you can see a really long distance and it's straight and you're like wow i can see almost into downtown from here it must be downhill or else like the horizon line would interrupt it um and yeah if you're a pro runner you just burn those and that's where like typically the my understanding is the front of the race is like decided there you know like with these moves um so just giving your each of us giving ourselves a chance to run well during those blocks is like its own project.
0: Yeah. So true. It's like you would like, it's a fool's trade that like we all make, in, in one or more marathons it's like oh if i you know like you would never trade like five seconds for two minutes later on in the yeah. race but like how how many people do it right it happens every time and we don't yeah. consciously like say like i'm trading this very very small amount for like this getting hammered cool. later um but it, it ends up happening so often um again and i say the same thing about like just consuming nutrition right some people are, like i'm gonna run through all of the the aid stations mm. right even if like i'm not oh. getting a lot of water down it's like How about you just, like, walk really fast, right? So you'll lose four seconds, but you're going to get all the water. Like, believe me that you're going to want that trade. You're going to want that trade, whether it's Gatorade or or the water. Like, you're going to want that later on when you're, like, you know, when you're actually properly fueled later in the race. Instead of be like, hey, I saved 17 seconds at all the aid stations. Like, oh, great, but you're running 1045 pace now, and you were running eight-minute pace before
1: and we never think that we're going to give up those minutes is the thing That's No, just the
0: no <laughs> yeah no exactly um what is it is it, is it, uh, is it um the family guy with the mystery box episode he's like you, you keep going He's on he's on a game show and they're like, "All right, you won, Peter. It's your choice. You can have this brand new boat or this mystery box and we don't know what's in it. It could be anything. It, in fact, it could be a brand new boat." And you're like, oh, "It could be a brand new boat. I'll take the mystery box." You're like, "But yeah. the other boats right there." <laughs> no. And it's like inside it was like a book or something. But it was yeah. like it was like we we always choose the mystery box of like, but this other thing, it's right there. We can see it. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um all right. We've been hammering for almost 80 minutes. Can the CIM rundown take longer than it takes the winner to run CIM? If you're listening to this on the course, congratulations. You're at mile 16 and a half. You're doing great. Keep it up, winner. Um, so I will talk a little bit about after the race. Um, again, depending on how you feel, depending on when you're catching a plane to leave Sacramento. Um. For me, it was, what's the closest restaurant to my hotel in case oh. things spiral? Um, so also I had to like, oh yeah, this was the other thing for me was my hotel was like, oh, no late checkout. Oh yeah. So I did what you described earlier, Peter, at the other marathon of I like finished and then had to keep running oh, to dear. make my non-late checkout hotel so then I could like sprint upstairs and get my bags, bring them downstairs and hand them to the person at the front desk cuz there was a big sign that said no late checkout even if you're a marathoner behind the front oh desk. Oh my gosh. So, and then I bumped over to the Yard House to go grab some food. Um so the Yard House was right next to my hotel which I, I was able to make the, you're not allowed to have a late checkout, which was funny yeah. because basically all of us were like sprinting to the hotel faster than we were sprinting to the finish line. Um, but then made it over the yard house, which was right next to my hotel, which was um, a really good spot. Actually, just like the um, the public house that I went to the night before, oh. uh, where it was like big beers, really good food. Um, every, everything tasted good at that point. And as long as it wasn't any more sugar, I was all, 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 yeah. all sugared out from all the coups I had taken. Um, and... Again, proximity to all of my stuff, which was at that point a, a, a big thing for me. Mike, is there a certain spot that you went last year that you either liked or a spot you'd prefer to go to this year after the race? Uh, I stayed at
2: the race because there was, like, that Sierra Nevada area. And mm-hmm. so I got— That's what I were, wanted
0: to do. Yeah, you I remember know, I, like, you, ran right past it. I was like, ah, that's here, where I
2: want to be right now. Here, here is my little tra- <laughs> trick. So you're only supposed to get one beer from, like, the Sierra Nevada area. But I really like drinking beers, like, at the race. So, like, I went through—it it was a little bit—the race was hot, but I, I always get really cold after uh, a race. So, yeah. like, I put on all my post-race gear— I went through, got a beer, and then I was shivering. So I went to my hotel, showered, and like checked out. And then I came back just with my metal on <laughs> in different clothes and I got another beer. And so I just hung out there for a little while. That's uh, the place and to so be. I, I'm a different person. I'm a different person. I didn't get yeah. a beer earlier. So give me another one, please. Um, so I hung out there and then I had to leave like pretty much right away after that. Mm. So this year I'm going to try to leave a little bit later. So that way um, I can, you know, have a proper meal and kind of like uh, enjoy a little bit because it'll be. Uh, uh, the start, hopefully of a little bit of a break, um, from marathoning. So, yeah, um, you know, kind of kick back a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that. Let me know where you go. We'll, we'll hang out.
1: I'm a big fan of burgers and brew, uh, over on our street. So okay. I don't want to, well, now I told everyone and the lines gonna be <laughs> out the door, but, uh, they have a great, uh, menu and also beer selection. They, I don't know hasn't served me wrong, so a lot of people end up over there you know typically sitting there with all sorts of marathoners, people wearing medals but um
0: a lot yeah, of breweries a couple... in midtown there's exactly. no if you're looking for a post race beer man th- again there are a number take of, care you could do of you. a whole bar crawl after the race if you were really into it <laughs>
1: um yeah but it's always really nice and like great atmosphere in the california
0: morning absolutely, all right, we gotta get going. Uh, is there anything you guys want to say before we do? Oh, I have I have one like last
2: little kind of like tip um, or like observation from last year. Like the, I mean, it didn't really fit in with like our mile by mile breakdown, but like this course for me is, is really wide. Like the streets are really mm. wide, and so it's very easy to run a lot longer than twenty six point two oh. on this course. I would say, yeah. So like. Um, you know, just be a little bit mindful of that. Like I tend to, cause I run with a selfie stick. So I try to tend to avoid where most of the crowd is as I run. Um, but like I found myself like, I'm like, I'm definitely not on a tangent or just no. getting from like one side to another, like in an aid station sometimes was like a, a felt like a really long distance. So just kind of keep your heads up, watch ahead, and make sure you're not running far than you have to.
1: Yeah, like pick out those tangents. I definitely, at mile 16, I know that happens. There's like a long, there's a bunch of bends and you're like, actually, we can we can create a line straight through them, pretty much. Uh, good, yeah, and there's, a, good there's a lot,
0: again, especially the first half, there's a lot of straight, and then right at the end, there's a lot of straight. For me, I like, I chose to stay right in the middle because, you know, most roads are capped. So, like, the middle is going to also be the flattest part of the road, just from a rain drainage standpoint. So, if someone has oh. just overuse injuries or things like that, um, you know, and I've had I've had stuff like that happen, where it's like I run on. first happened to my dad when I was in middle school. It's like the first running injury I ever became aware of. Like, he always ran the left hand side of the street, which you're supposed to do. But I lived in a town that didn't have sidewalks, oh, so he was always running on that capped Camber. road and like he developed a running injury because of it and so i was like i'm always like now like more mindful than i even need to be of this situation because it was like the first running injury i'd ever like even heard of so i just always ran right in the middle as a way of like making sure i was on the flattest ground possible i don't know if that's the best way of doing it that's just how i happen to do it yeah
1: that's also something to think about
0: peter how about you before you get going
1: um last little tip yeah just like uh I think it's like what I've covered just like there's so many ups and downs know that it'll give it back to ups they'll give them back to you on the downs and then leave yourself um confidence to feel good late because there's it's just like the crowds finally are all there and then, um, and then I always say to people, like, when you see the palm trees, just start kicking. Like, just go for it. <laughs> because that's, you actually wrap around and then come back to the state house. And so um, there aren't a lot of palm trees. Into, but once you hit that, to me, that's just like, you got to pedal to the metal.
0: Right. The, the finishing straight at CIM, I think, because everyone's seen the videos and the pictures, you're probably envisioning a very long lead up. It's not. It's like no. 40 meters. Like, you're just like, yeah. it's like. Hard left, hard left finish line. Like, and I was complete I'd seen all the videos and all the pictures. I was taken aback. I was like, oh wow, this is like the shortest run up to a finish line I've ever seen. Um I would say oh, that God. the big thing for me that I would make sure that I would do, especially for from an eating perspective morning of, and I meant to mention this before, is um make sure that you have your food ready for race morning the day before. Okay, I mentioned this about Saturday morning. Like, there's just not a lot of coffee shops open downtown because it's a downtown area that is primarily used Monday through Friday in the mornings. If you're hoping to hit a coffee shop up race morning to get your bagel, you have planned very poorly. Okay, get that stuff the day before because even if your hotel has a Starbucks, every single person at that hotel who's there for the race is going to be in line at that Starbucks. So get your grub. The day before, so you, yeah. first of all, you don't have to worry about it. Second of all, you might not be able to get it the morning of, right? There's yeah. a convenience store right next to the finish line, right next to the starting line, because there's a gas station right there. Again, that place is packed. Not only are people buying stuff, also it's not a bakery there's not like a lot of food choices in there and people are just sitting there to try to stay warm the whole place was a mob scene so um again get your stuff the night before for the morning of um i made this mistake myself at the eugene marathon peter was there he shared a hotel room with me it was a really fun experience the night before trying to find a bagel (laughs) and then had a guy follow me from the convenience store to the hotel oh Um, yeah that was another Uh, interesting experience That's
1: another story for another day (laughs) um Awesome, guys. I love all the geeky details. This is wonderful.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, tell somebody, right? This is the thing we love about Relay. Such a great community, such great content. They're putting out 20 pieces of content a month that we're really proud of. Um, Also, because it's all behind a paywall, as you know, since you're listening to this, it means it's harder to share. So if you enjoyed this, please share it with running friends of yours. We would greatly appreciate it. Have a great day and happy running.
1: Thanks, guys.